So yeah, that was literally all he had to say was, you know, beating at the Royal Rumble and then at WrestleMania or the event before WrestleMania, you can have your match against me for the title. Yeah, and that would have been good. But the next segment, which was what we discussed earlier in a little bit about the pizza. Matt Riddle talks about pizza and compares the US title to a pizza. Now, I'm sorry, but that's just stupid and bullshit. I'm not going to discuss it anymore because it was just plain horrible. So it angered you as much as it angered me, then, it is did. what you're saying, Catman. Yeah, it did. And then the next backstage segment we get is Randy Orton is getting interviewed by... God knows what her name is. Still unidentified. Discount Renee Young. Seriously, send your cats to destroy this bitch. Yeah. So Randy Orton's getting interviewed by Discount Renee Young. And he's talking about how close he and Triple H are and about he learned everything from Triple H and he respected him. And then then he goes on about how Triple H doesn't realise how dangerous he is now that he has blame onto himself and he can shift that blame. Now that was good storytelling, but it did not... It made no sense. It didn't, like, it didn't make no sense, and it didn't pay off. Because as we see with the match, it did not pay off. That's it. Where was... You know, I respect him, but he doesn't know how dangerous I am. Where was danger in that match? No danger. Exactly. And then, it, next, back, next backstage segment was... We see Adam Pearce with AJ Styles, and they're discussing about if... Adam Pearce beats Roman Reigns, which I doubt because they're booking Roman Reigns stupidly high at the moment. By the way, we'll do the... Well, I'm not sure if Cat God is around to do the SmackDown segment with me from last week's SmackDown, but I can do that on my own yeah. later. Yeah. But um, So if they're talking about it. AJ Styles says, by the way, if I win the, when I win the Royal Rumble, then I'll face you at WrestleMania and we can have this. He gets interrupted by Drew G Gulak. He goes, oh, by the way, I want in the Rumble. And Adam Pearce goes, no, you have to earn it by facing AJ. And that's how that match came about. But it was just pointless. It really was just pointless. There was some tomfoolery going on there with the writing team, let me tell you. Even a circle jerk could not explain that tomfoolery and funny business. It was, like I said, it was just bullshit, it was stupid, and it was not necessary. If they want to have AJ Styles versus Gugulak, Book it before the show and say, by the way, this is what we're going to do. That's how we're going to do it. And we're not going to have a backstage segment about it because it was just shit. It made no fucking sense, this segment. Let me tell you. Yeah, and then we get to the last segment of the night, which is we see Triple H getting taped up. He's getting ready. And Keith Lee walks up to him and he says, look, I've had two matches today. I don't mind making it the third. I'll go against Orton. I'll beat him down like a dog. And Triple H goes, no. Nah, He's my mess. I've got to do it. And I will face him. And then Keith Lee just shakes his hands, bumps his fists and hands him his jacket. No, no. You mentioned a bit. Um, before they bump fists. No. He smacks him on the chest and says, guess it's time to play the game. Oh, yeah. You dumb motherfucker. <laughs> he hasn't used that since the 90s. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I was, I was reading the subtitles. Right? And I see I see that come up. Guess it's time to play the game. You dumb motherfucker, he ain't used that since the nineties. You dumb What you would have been dumb better fuck So sorry, sorry for interrupting. What would have been better is if he'd have gone time to introduce Orton to the real King of Kings. Or time to introduce or time to reintroduce The Cerebral Assassin. Yeah, or yeah. time to reintroduce 
the game yeah. to the Viper. What? Fucking something. But that was just, it, it was horrible and was not needed. It was not necessary. But personally, that was both the matches on Raw. Those are backstage segments. I hope you've enjoyed me being here. I know I have. And I will see you the rest of the Alpha Zone when I next pop up. And have a good day. Right. Thank you very much for guesting in the Alpha Zone, Cat God. And we hope, I want to thank you on behalf of everybody in the Alpha Zone. And hope you will be back soon to guest star. Hello and welcome to the Alpha Zone. With me, your host, the Alpha. This week, we have Cat God as a special guest here in the Alpha Zone. Hello, Cat God. Hello, um, hello, Alpha. Right, I'm going to start off with reviewing how Raw started, and then do all the matches in the order they went in. How I how I felt about it. Then I'll do all the backstage stuff after. So if anyone gets a bit confused and says, "Why, why, why was the show a bit back to front?" Then you know why. Right. In between, I will comment on my opinion on what I think with the with what you have just commented on. Well, we started off all with clips from last week of Randy Orton belittling the legends. And then you see Triple H walking out to the ring. Which was nice to see Triple H again. However, if he was coming out as the big COO, he should have had the black suit that he always wore when he was in COO mode before. As he didn't, you could tell he wasn't really into this. Not only that... When they played the, at the start of the show, where they played the belittling the legends, you knew Triple H was going to say something because they focused on Ric Flair more than they did any other legend. At this point, Randy Orton walks out, interrupts him. He's speaking, then goes, well, what do you have for me? Well, why don't we have anything for you? And then Triple H says, I believe in your heel turn. I believed in what you've done over the year. And then Orton demands something from him. And he's like, well, no, you belittled Ric Flair and he focused on Ric Flair until Randy Orton said, I want to challenge you to a proper fight because you know me. And Triple H says no. And then with the WrestleMania match they met, they had or the Saudi show they had, he uses the same insult. Do you need to check Stephanie's handbag for your balls? Really? Could they not have come up with anything else? Do you have to keep going back to Triple H is married to Stephanie McMahon over and over and over again? Triple H is legendary in the wrestling business for his in-ring career. Randy Orton couldn't have belittled his match where he teamed with Shawn Michaels to face Undertaker and Kane. Well, that wasn't a disaster. Do you still have it? Really? You know, he couldn't have belittled anything else. Oh, so your guys from NXT come up here and they can't hang with the big dogs. You know, anything other than going to the same just tired routine over and over and over again. It's like, really, come on. We know these shitty writers that have... No common sense. I'm pretty sure in the commentary, commentary, uh, not the commentary, the writers, they're just in the writers' room. They're just jerking themselves off to what can we reuse? And the commentators, 
with the subtitles on you could again <laughs> after that line Samoa Joe just sighed just sighed it was like really see the problem is when they do stuff like this it makes you wonder WWE was well back in the day you know before I was born they were legendary it was good writers good this good that and the other and it just seems as if as as you pointed out they're jerking themselves off thinking well what can we do to fuck around with our audience because we know we have them and it's just an insult but back to the point you see, they... that, hang on a second. The problem with that is when wrestling was good for... Because wrestling's been around for over a hundred and... Excuse me, there is a message for you. It's been around for 158 years. It's only in the last 20 where it's got bad because of Vince Russo hot-shotting everything because he's a rider, bro. Bro, bro, bro. He's a rider. Before that, it was veterans that were that would book angles, that would book spots, that would book the match. And then you'd have whoever was the experienced veteran in the match would say, right, we know we you've got to win in the end, but we'll do this, we'll do that. And they would call it in the ring. And because nobody knew what was going on, it was, oh, and it was good because they were calling it in the ring. The same with the promos. There's, at the moment, it's, I will repeat this line word for word before when it was here's point a b and c cut into a promo somebody like jim Cornette or paul Heyman or anybody else listen here motherfucker i'm gonna whoop your ass at sunday night in the cat god zone in front of millions and millions of the cat people you know now it's just i will beat you in the cat dome in front of millions and millions of the cat people and it's like really no you dumb motherfuckers shoot promos from the hip because those were believable where the guys could get into it they could go through it they could just run with it and it's what's needed yeah and i think so i agree with you you know with letting them do their own promos it gives that much more fire to it but now you get the generic i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and it's boring but back to triple x and autumn um so after Orton says the childish insult, Triple H walks around the ring, contemplates, and then punches him, and Randy Orton falls from the one punch out of the ring to the arena floor, and then says, I accept. Like, I take that as you accepting. And then we get backstage where Gorilla is, and then there's Charlotte Flair. And she's cutting a promo on Lacey Evans about... Her being not being the first, not being the last woman to flirt with her dad. And it's like, really? This could have been done on an episode of Jeremy Springer. You know, my co-worker flirts with my dad. Again. And it's just boring. But the match itself was just rehash of last week's tag team match. Where you have little incidences and little, oh my god, are you really doing this? Are you sure now? And it's like, for fuck's sake. It's very... Very clunky. It's not well thought out. There's no way if Ashley, I mean Charlotte, was getting pissed off with Lacey flirting with her dad. She wouldn't react that way. She, she just wouldn't. It would be completely different. 
you know, stay the fuck away from my dad. My dad's married. He's old enough to be your father, for fuck's sake. He's my dad. Not only that, you're married and you have um, kids. Yeah, she's got two of them, didn't she? Yeah, two kids. Where was that from, Charlotte? When nothing like that happens, it's... Oh, you know, and it takes you out of the moment and you're like, oh, yeah, um, okay, so... Well, there's nothing actually here other than I have been told that I will do this and then I will raise my arm like this in a threatening tone and you will show fear. It's kind of like Vince McMahon is telling all the writers, oh, by the way, I want to book Charlotte how Tristratus was booked with Stephanie. And it's just horrible. You see, the thing is, I don't even think Vince McMahon is in control anymore. I think Vince McMahon has dementia or he's senile or he hasn't had his medication. Or maybe it's years of not sleeping properly because... Vince has to work out. Vince has to be big. Vince has to be on Pro Illustrated. Vince has to be big. Maybe all that has caught up with him. The steroids and the lack of sleep and the thing and everything else because he's cracking up if he thinks this, this makes good television. It does not. No, I agree. Um, and then we... we go. I rate that match, personally, I rate it about three out of five. And I'm being nice because there were you, because it was exactly how it was with Stephanie and Trish Stratus back in the day. That's the only reason, and I quite enjoyed that storyline. But rehashing it, that's sorry, it's just boring. So therefore, I rate it personally a three out of five. You enjoyed it when it was original, and that's why you enjoyed it because it was the first time that you'd seen it. It was the first time that it had been done on national TV. I also think the big problem is the territories of wrestling went away where you had your own markets and it's all you did your own thing in your own markets. Now, WWE and AEW are so far out there and it's so publicised that that you can't do anything original. You can't retire something for 20 years and then bring it back. You can't say to somebody alright, you've been on top for so long, go away and learn a new hold and come back. Because if they're not on WWE, they've been let go, they'll either go to AEW, where they'll be seen, or they'll go to New Japan. Great, you go to New Japan, but then you've got to come back and you've got to learn the WWE style of shit over and over again. That's why you get people that have left WWE like Dean Ambrose and Luke Harper, rest in peace, and many, many others that have left WWE that have gone to work elsewhere, where they turn around and go, oh my God, there's creative freedom. It, once you're outside of the WWE bubble, there is so much more, simply because it's WWE, 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 so smashed over when you're not there anymore, you can work with your own talent you can see a greater world for example it's like and we're not going into a whole political discussion but it's like Brexit where it was Brexit on the news 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 and then coronavirus happened and it's 
oh shit, there is a whole world outside of it where people all over the world are suffering with this virus. You know, it's exactly the same with WWE. And they're retelling old stories. But, what's right. Personally, like, we'll get back to our review of Raw. Um, <laughs> Jeff Hardy versus Elias again. Boring. I, I mean, for fuck's sake, they had that that musical street fight on Chris like, on the Christmas episode of Raw, and that should have been it. The feud was overdone. But you just like six months down, like it's a six-month feud which shouldn't have gone on at all. I mean, creatively, yes, Jeff Hardy is brilliant. Like. Artistically, you know, I listen to his songs, listen to his album. You know, he's a good, like, good guy. Of course. But even Elias, you know, his music, I, I listen to every now and then. But he's a good, but he's they're both good athletic people. And then you just go, well, here we have another match because we're gonna replay it. And then Elias stands up and goes, by the way, I have a sore thumb. I can't wrestle. You're gonna face Jason or Jackson Riker. Now. Bearing in mind, this man was Gunner in TNA when he was there. Well, I thought I recognised him. Even though TNA now has become an outlaw mud show production impact. Nah. But yeah, I thought I recognised him. I was trying to place it. Yeah, um, the thing so, he can actually wrestle. You know, he's a brilliant, you know, got a lot of intensity. You know, he can do a lot more of the moves than WWE have allowed him to do. But yet he run with a roll a roll up, the cheap the cheap roll up quite quick after Elias got involved. And then Jeff Hardy goes, oh, by the way, you've had your match with him. Now I want you. And then it just goes on to Jeff Hardy versus Elias again, and it's just boring. You know. You guys know me on the Alpha Zone. I don't give it one to ten. I give it letters, alphabet letters. So far the lowest I've given is a I think it was an F. Well, now, this, because it's a boring feud, it's gone on for too long, it's getting a U. It's getting a U, guys. It really is. And, you know, it's not something I want to give a performer like Jeff Hardy, but unfortunately, that's the only thing I can give him, is a U at this point. Oh, we got Buster joining us here in the Alpha Zone. The puppy. <laughs> Looking confused all of a sudden, but it's okay. Anyway, we get to um, there's a backstage segment which I'll go on about in a minute. But um, the next, I'm going to give Jeff Hardy versus Jason Riker and Elias a one because it was just boring. But we move on to Keith Lee and Sheamus versus The Miz and Morrison. Oh, for fuck's sake! I mean, really, just even, just. Even the idea of that match is fucking ridiculous. See, the problem, my problem is, is with it that it, we've had too many variants of it. You know, we've had Randy Orton, Miz and Morrison versus Drew McIntyre, Keith Lee and Jameis, and it's always end the same way. But even like one of the talked about moments that I've seen online is when Keith Lee shoves Morrison into the turnbuckle and it proceeds to the top turnbuckle and it breaks off and goes in the in the middle of the ring. Yeah, it does. You, you see it in the middle of... I was watching it and I was like, what the fuck is this? And then it goes to an advert break and when it comes back, oh, by the way, you hear Tom Phillips, who was not shouting for a change, 
And I can't tell you that I've got him muted. I, I can't stand his demonic screaming. No. Well, he didn't actually scream this time. And I think Byron Saxton was told, shut the fuck up and do not yell. Because it was actually quite an in, it was quite enjoyable for those students. You can actually hear Samoa Joe talk. It was brilliant. But Samoa Joe continuing his masterclass on commentary. I can tell you that even with subtitles. Yeah, but um, they go. We had such great green people that they just come back straight away, and it, they made it so it's nice and good. And it's like okay, we get it. You, you know, dumb but... fuck! You've just exposed your entire business. What you should have said is the referee picked it up and has reattached it. Yeah, you know, that's all you had to say. And then throughout the rest of the match, you actually see John Morrison actually showing how good of an athlete he is. So much to the point where you can go, actually, there's a reason why he owned pretty much every business he was in. Because he went to TNA, he went to Ring of Honor, he was in New Japan for a little bit. Then he was, I think he was even in GFW while they were still around, before they went back to Impact. Yes, he was. Um... It was in there on and off. Yeah. But it just shows you how good of an athlete he can be. But yet they just reduce him down to, oh, by the way, we're going to have Miz have a psychic. And anything the Miz does, that's it. Correct. It's fucking ridiculous. But in the end, they build up Sheamus to get the hot tag on to Keith Lee. Keith Lee gets the tag eventually. Then dominates both Miz and Morrison. Then finishing with... Keith Lee's finisher, the Spirit Bomb, which, to be honest, I'm quite surprised that people that the people who made Dragon Ball Z don't go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's our lot. That's our thing. A cease and desist letter should be sent from the fine and noble people of the Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, but regardless of that, Shay, so regardless of that, he wins, and then we're expecting... No, it, no, it was Seamus. Seamus oh. um, tagged himself in. Oh yes, and then went for the bro kick. But no, it, though, in my oh. defence, it's been different ways, and it's been that way yeah. out before. Oh no, I know, <laughs> I, I know. But it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Like for fuck's sake, you know, Keith Lee multiple times has cost Seamus the win. Seamus, um, you know, well, you want to be like that to me, motherfucker? I'll give you a taste of your own medicine. To me personally, it was just horrible wrestling and, well, I quite enjoyed the Seamus and the Keith Lee moments because they were trying to have a bro moment and it paid off brilliantly. But um, I would give this match a two, mainly because I like Seamus. I don't like Miz and Morrison that much, but I, don't, I do like Morrison. I just don't like the fact that they're wasting his talent. So therefore, he gets a two on my book. You can tell they've they've done this segment before where Miz has has to have an assistant. You know, Damien Sandow. Yep. Alex Riley. Yep. Then John Morrison before that. Correct. It's like really the Miz is either good enough on his own or he should sink on his own. If the Miz is gonna have to have somebody with him, let him have his wife. I'm sorry, it makes more sense to have his wife there. Where she can do shit and get involved. And then you can build it up. So there's an intergender tag match. I mean they've done it before. But it always works. Simply because you'll go three or four months. With Maurice. Helping the Miz win all the time. Then 
then she gets her comeuppance in a match. But you were very kind on this match, and mm. I don't really think you should have been. So I'm giving this match... Another you? I'm giving this match a you. It's got to be said, I'm giving it a you. You know, this week's Raw was just low on the point of low. See, the problem is, um, like, we'll get back to the other match. You get, after the ad break, you get Keith Lee versus Sheamus. And they just start fighting for the sake of fighting. Then the referee gets called down. Go, By the way, you got to do this. But it made no sense. They've just won a match. Yeah, and they were getting on. But they had the match. And then you can hear Keith Lee... Sorry, Keith Lee talking a bunch of nonsense, like trash talking in the ring. And then Keith Lee wins with his finisher this time. I've got it right this time. And then Byron Saxon goes, Is Seamus going to do it? Seamus going to do it? And then he puts his hand up for a fist pump. Seamus knocks it away. Oh my God, it's happening. And then they give him a hug. Then they end it with a hug. And then you can hear some old Joe going, You know what? They do respect each other. The match was pointless then. Yeah. If they're going to. If they're going to go down this angle where these two can't stand each other, commit to it. Have Miz, an assistant, win the tag match and then it starts at, it's your fault, no, it's your fault, no, it's your fault. Between them, then have the tag, then have the single match. If you're going to have them win a tag match, don't have a single match on that show. Have them, you know, backstage where Sheamus makes some comment. To the um, to the lady, they still didn't announce who she was. That no. was conducting interviews backstage, and Seamus says something like, "Yeah, when Lee tags himself in, we've lost a couple of times, but when me and my bro kick tag ourselves in, and when we we get the job done, that's what happens when you let the fire of the Irish free, or or something like that." Yeah. Then Keith Lee's, oh, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And then you can build the match that way. Yeah, build the match that way where it makes more sense. Yeah. Rather than just, no, you, no, you, no, you. Okay, we fight now. But I I give that match a two again because it's just like rehash bullshit. Anyway, I'm going to move on to... You're too kind with your two. Yeah. I'm going to move on to Xavier Woods by himself versus (laughs) T-Bar with Retribution. Good match for T-Bar. Good match for T-Bar. See, the problem is, it was a good match for him, but they're trying to give Retribution momentum after they killed it with the Hurt Business, after they killed it so many times. They're just trying to pump life back into something that's already dead and buried, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, as far as I'm concerned as well. But good match for T-Bar. Good match for T-Bar. Yeah, he wins with a discount, yes, but... <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, good match for the T-Bar. Well, what can I say? You guys know Xavier with greats on me. Yeah. See the problem is I quite like like the... even muted he grates on me. See the problem is I quite like the athleticism of the New Day as individuals because you've got Kofi who was brilliant by himself. You had Big E who was good by himself. When he was the muscle man for AJ and Dolph, you know he was brilliant. He was untouchable. But then he joined him with the New Day, and then it went from all nice and serious to. By the way, unicorns and all this stuff. And it just ruined him. It ma- it made him feel as if he was cheap, as if it was just another thing that was going to go wrong. And it Paul Heyman said it best in the Talking Smack. He did. You know, when you were with New Day, that's all you're going to be remembered for. If you don't win a title and you don't branch out yeah. on your own, you'll be buried under 
the new day. And that's exactly it. You know, you've got Kofi, who's phenomenal. But when he won the WWE Championship, he should have just left the new day, in my opinion. He should have said, right. He should have said, right, love you guys. Nothing against you guys. But um, I'm the WWE Champion. I can't be walking around throwing pancakes at people. WWE... They've gone from being wrestling-based to sports entertainment. And even entertaining, not that well. The problem is you either have to be a child under the ages of five, or you have to be so stoned out of your mind, you go, oh, pointy colours, in order to be entertained by that. Because it's the only way that it actually entertains you. Yeah. And during the match, they were saying that um, Kofi wasn't there because he had a broken jaw. But yet, Drew McIntyre had a broken jaw. He still competed. So did Randy Orton. But yet, Kofi can't do it. I just think it was their, their way of trying to explain to the fact that Creative had nothing for Kofi to do. So therefore, oh, we're going to give him an injury. But yet, they rerun the same matches over and over again. I know. You know, stop with the same matches. Like, I would have taken Jeff Hardy and said, right, for years there's been a there's been this who who's a better high flyer Jeff Hardy or Kofi Kingston, them have a match, them have a match. So you know we'll put this argument together and have a high flyer match. Yeah, that that would be entertaining. Like even with the Survivor Series, I I only caught a few little glimpses of it, but in the men's match you had Chad Gable and Ricochet flying off of each other doing brilliant athletic stuff, and you think. Give us more of that. Well, the thing, the thing is, if you do it too much, it becomes flips and tricks, mm. which is what I hate. The, mm. the young bucks for. The young fucks. Yeah. Bolding bucks. Buck Hogan. And Never Bo had that one before. Quite nice. Yes. And balding buck. Middle-aged fucks. Mm. A.K.A. the tag team champions of AEW. The, the vice presidents that book themselves to win. All they are is flips and tricks. And if you have too much, it becomes flips and tricks. But that's not what a Jeff Hardy, Kofi Kingston match would be. Yeah. So the problem is, um, did you hear what they what um, Nick, was it Nick or Matt? Apparently one of those two ha actually had COVID quite bad and was still in the ring. Exactly. It's like, really? Global pandemic. Thing is fucking killing people. And yet you're having one of the dudes who's got, who had it cornered to themselves was quite bad, had it, couldn't do this, couldn't do that. But yet he was in the ring. Of course, because the Young Bucks are fucking Trump supporters. America! It's just fucking ridiculous, man. you got, you got to remember, America! Man. It's kind of like Dave, the bus driver from Fluffy, Gabriel Iglesias, you know. Like him, you know, he's a brilliant comedian. And he goes, it's not America, it's America. No, exactly. It, is, it literally is. That's how the Young Bucks are. America! Trump says it's not real. You don't have to worry about the pandemic. So, I got the COVID, but it's like the cold. It's just worse. You'll be fine. Oh, that's why fucking millions of people have died, you dumb fuck. Anyway, we're going to get back to the review. <sighs> Next, we have Matt Riddle versus Bobby Lashley for the US title. Now, for weeks, for weeks, they have pushed... Riddle to be this 
fucking pothead that talks about getting high inadvertently when he's talking to the Hurt Business and then he he can do this, 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 this and got the win over Lashley. Build on that momentum. Don't not have him get... No, no, no. Don't build on that momentum at all. Don't build on no, it. No, but if they're going to build on the momentum of him doing that as they had him win last week, then continue on that build. Not just go, by the way, I'm just going to crush you now because it just ruins the whole point. But it was shit last week, wasn't it? I literally, when fucking he won, I looked at it and went, next week or the week after, he's going to have a United States title match and Bobby Lashley is going to kill him. Which is exactly what he did. Yeah, exactly. Matt Riddle. I want a pizza, man. I'm using a pizza as a metaphor and it's like, really? But now I'm hungry and I want a pizza. You dumb fuck. You absolute dumb fuck. And then they did what Jeff Hardy did. With Elias, with Elias and Jason Michael. You get Riddle on the microphone saying, MVP, if you're not a coward, come down here and face me. And it was a horrible match. You know, MVP, you know, brilliant wrestler, can carry pretty much anyone. He cannot carry Riddle. That's it. If you can't... If you get a veteran like MVP and even he can't carry Riddle, that tells you something. Riddle should only be involved in squash matches, much like Xavier Woods. Squash matches only. Five minute matches max. That kick from MVP though, fucking hell. Yeah, I heard that. I had to replay it. I thought, what the fuck was that? I heard that and I had the fucking subtitles up. Yeah. I had no sound and I heard that. And then Raw could the Raw creative team did not want a winner or a loser, so they had Bobby Lashley speared the crap out of Riddle to give him a DQ win and then proceeded to beat the fuck out of him. It's like leave it alone. It's, it's the same with AEW. There has to be an angle after the match. They can't just have a match that makes sense. There has to be an angle. And this is why I get pissed off. At, I thought fucking having you on the show would calm me down rather than fucking winding me up. You're not doing your job, Cat God. You're a bad co- co-host. Well, but regardless, I'm going to give this these two matches. I'm not going to not going to rate them separately. I'm going to rate them both the same. I'm going to rate them all one. And that's me being kind to the number one. Negative one would have been being kind. Alright guys, now time for my vote. Because of the legendary skill that we know MVP and Bobby Lashley have, it's getting an E. For Matt Riddle's performance, it's getting a W. However, I've got to balance it overall, so we'll give it an E. And then the next match we have is AJ Styles versus Drew Gallick. Oh, for fuck's sake. Why wasn't this a two-minute squash match? AJ Styles should have just gone in and just gone, done. See, the thing so they had that match on, they had the whole kind of series on SmackDown Live, and therefore, if you cannot say, by the way, they heard that it's two there, but on Raw, AJ squashes him, it's kind of going to ruin the character even more than it already did. It was was a short match, and AJ won with a phenomenal forearm. Of course, AJ deserved to win with a phenomenal forearm. You couldn't have had AJ Styles lose credibility. With credibility. It just would not have happened. You know. Yeah AJ's got that big monster outside the ring. But. you got to remember. AJ Styles. Before he came to WWE. Was famous all over the world. For his in ring moves. And AJ Styles has said. On multiple different interviews. On multiple Twitch videos. The WWE. Have cut his moveset. That he's capable of doing. Down from 50% down to 
down to 5%. So he can only do 5% of his moves. It's, it's, it's like they're trying to murder all sense of wrestling. Well, of course, it's sports entertainment. But I'm going to... Wrestling give... is such a dirty word in WWE. World wrestling entertainment. But yeah. wrestling's a dirty word. Yeah. I'm going to give this match, because I like AJ Styles, I've seen... Like me and you have both watched matches where he's been in different companies and of we course. saw how his match was, was with Orton at WrestleMania and because I like AJ, because I like what he can do, he's getting very good for. Well look at his matches in in A in AW in TNA. In TNA, yeah. And by the way, do you, <laughs> do you know what TNA originally stood for when um, Vince Russo came up with the name? No. Tits and ass wrestling. <laughs> they had to. Jim Cornette came up with because I've seen interviews with both of them, where Jim Cornette said, "No, no, 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 I, I, I can't go to major networks and say here, put tits and ass wrestling on this show." So he came up with total non-stop action. Well, to be honest, after hearing that, I'm glad Jim Cornette got involved and said, "Look, I cannot do this shit. Sort that." Sort it out properly. I'll come up with the name. You just make sure you run it properly. And, and then, then he didn't. It's like, really? You could have done so much more. Mm. But, but anyway, yeah. So AJ Styles had some legendary matches on TNA. Then he went to New Japan and just... He was just amazing over there. You know, just mm. completely just dominated. And it was absolutely amazing watching the moves... That he was allowed to do over there. Yeah. Because TNA banned so many moves. But watching him in New Japan, it was just absolutely amazing. Like, oh my God. Because New Japan wrestlers have unrestricted. If you, as long as you can get the audience to cheer and boo you when, need, when you need them to cheer and boo you, you're unlimited on what you can do. That's it. In New Japan, the only... The only thing that can stop you is yourself and the limits of your imagination. Yeah. Right? As you quite rightly pointed out, the match with um, Randy Orton, his ma his series with Jericho. You know, AJ Styles is, he excuse is, the pun, but phenomenal. Is, I agree. I know. For that match, I'm giving Styles an A. Styles' performance in that match gets an A. So, I would give it an A+, plus, but... Even the legendary Styles could <laughs> could not could not drag the vote up that much. He stopped it going to an F though. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we discussed in depth for how much we like AJ. Now we need to get back to the rule. We had Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler versus Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke again. Oh, for fuck's sake! Like, if over, you've got so many wrestlers you're not fucking using. Yeah, you've got so many people under contract that are just sat at home. Scratching their ass and farting because Vince McMahon doesn't want them. Yeah, these jackasses that fucking circle jerk while they're writing have got fuck all for them. So they just go with the same matches over and over. I'm convinced Vince Russo is writing for AEW and WWE at this point. Let me tell it, you. It would not surprise me at all, to it be honest. It fucking wouldn't. But to be honest, like all this, all this shows, and with the Charlotte match earlier, it shows that all they want to focus on is blondes, with tits and an ass wrestling, and that's it. Vince Russo, tits yeah. and ass wrestling. Yeah, pretty much. But the match was boring as hell. We've seen it all before. They, 
Both sides went back and forth and then Chayna Bailey tags herself in and wins the vest submission. I like the cooking in the clutch, like the clutch she does, you know, it's a really good one. But I just don't like Nia Jax. I think that for my personal, I would rate this match a negative 35 because of Nia Jax alone. That's, oh boy. I do not like her. She's a waste of time. She's a dangerous wrestler. And oh, you can't stand up to her because... She's the Rock's cousin. And she uses that and she bullies people backstage for it. And I just cannot stand it. Of course, you know, countless um, countless people have come out in the industry and said she's got an attitude backstage because she's the Rock's cousin. Countless people. Yeah. You know. And it's just horrible. She's as bad as Botch Banks. She really is for yeah. her botches. Pretty much. I mean, she broke Becky Lynch's nose. Was it last year or the year before yeah. with one of her botches? Yeah. Nearly killed... And I say this, I say this word properly. Nearly killed Kyrie Zane three times. That's it. She does not deserve to be on wrestling. And if she wants to be on wrestling, have her go to New Japan, teach her how to do shit properly, then come back to WWE, go only to the NXT Performance Center, and only then, and only then. Will she actually be a safe worker? Either that or put her security at a prison because no motherfucker is going to get try her. I'm going to quote the legendary Dusty Rhodes on this. When it comes to Nia Jax, do not do shit you do not know how to do. Do not do shit you do not know how to do. Legendary quote from the legendary man, you know. Rest, rest in peace, rest in Dusty. Peace. Right. Dusty of House for Rhodes. Next we get to the main event. Triple H versus Randy Orton in a non-sanctioned fist fight. Yeah, buddy. Randy Orton versus Triple H in just a Fist fight. Amazing on paper. Absolutely amazing. In my mind, I hear Triple H's time to play the game. I see it fucking appear. He didn't have the time to play the game. Yes, he did. He didn't have um, King of Kings. He came up with the King of Kings. The video was King of Kings. I'm pretty sure it's time to play the game. No, it was King of Kings. Hmm. No, it was King of Kings. Oh. Still, same band, you know, don't get me wrong. It's same, same band. Same motorhead. Yeah, but... Yeah, fucking, but yeah, I, it comes up and it says um, it is got written in Latin and the translation is on your knees, dog. That's the translation for the um, what comes up yeah. in the video. Yeah. But the entire time I'm like, now how are they gonna botch the fuck out of this? I bet um, Alex is involved in this botch somewhere. Yes. They, they've got to have a botch and fucking fuck this up simply because she didn't fuck with Orton last week and screw anything majorly up you know they can't actually let this piece of perfect performance go they've got to fuck it up somehow and they did so like Randy Orton comes into the ring and just the same as it was at the beginning of the night Triple H punches him he rolls out the ring goes to walk away comes back in and they actually have the fist fight and it's brilliant oh it was it was brilliant Punches backwards and forwards and ground and pound there. moves. Traditional wrestling moves. Yeah. And then brought to the outside and then I'm going to bash you with every single thing, including the announcer's table. So as you know, Randy Orton, when he does a suplex onto the announcer's table, he picks them up and then drops them. <laughs> and, it go and the announcer's table goes flat yeah. if they're heavy enough. But um, this time Triple H does it. Randy Orton doesn't go through, mainly because Randy Orton is in the best shape of his wrestling career at the moment. Well, remember, if he'd have gone through it the way he was supposed to, ben. it would have fucked his arm up simply because 
he has legitimate he it's medically documented he's had multiple shoulder Damn. injuries multiple operations on it Damn. so of course he wasn't going to go through it that way he had Damn. to try and fucking get out of it now I just per personally I, I love this match up until the point they decided they were going to bring out the lights to going off like how they did with the fiend no before that before that when he got the sledgehammer out I was like here we go here we go this is where it's going to get fucked up. Because I knew. I knew. And then having the sledgehammer, like, as I was saying, um, lights go out slowly, and then you see Triple X standing in the ring with his sledgehammer on fire. When has a sledgehammer ever been on fire? Apart I'm, from at a circus. I'm pretty sure when he picked up the sledgehammer and held it to his face, he would have noticed there was petrol on the fucking thing and not used it. Yeah. Because, you know, that makes, you know, why would you want to have something like that flammable right next to your face? Oh, exactly. But it was just absolutely stupid. Then all the lights went off. Triple H suddenly disappears. I'm assuming that he probably disappeared underneath the ring or just gone behind the barricade and crawled back no, 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 to the back no, no, slowly. No, I've got... I've, right. So, fuck him. I read online... It literally popped up on my Facebook... Um, they had to cut. Now bear in mind, there's no, there's no fans there. It's all recorded, no. so the feed went dead, so they couldn't see it. Where Triple H walked to the back, then, <laughs> then Alexa stood in the ring. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, Alexa is standing there with the five hundred music playing slowly. Then it goes off. And then you see... Well, it wasn't even playing properly. It was... That creepy... The creepy version of it. That's, it, that's what I mean. I no, like but it wasn't even the creepy version of it. It... It was like somebody had... Remixed it wrong. It really no. was. Yeah. And then... We get back to Alexa in the ring. And then she... Somehow throws a fireball... From no. her fist... To Randy Orton. Well, she raised her hand up first... With the glove hand... That said pain... The other one says play, or peace, or that. fucking something. But, so she raises her hand up, and it says pain, and Orton's like, fuck, and then just pow, in the face. It's like some, it's like someone told Alexa Bliss, someone in creative told Alexa Bliss, oh, by the way, do a get a, get a gun, and makes it hit, make sure it hits Orton. See, here's the problem. <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody sat back there was going, oh, Fuck, this thing with Orton and Triple H is actually turning out to be good. Alexa, here. Do yeah. this. Fireball in the face. Go. And then he, then it goes off the air with Randy Orton holding his face and the commentator's going back to the normal shouting, Oh my God, Randy Orton could be blind. See, this is why I don't fucking... And this is why I don't have the volume on. No. Simply because it's demonic screaming. Yeah. It really is. You've got demonic screaming and Samoa Joe continuing with his master class. See, I rate that segment of Triple H, the actual fight between Randy Orton and Triple H. I rate that. We'll, we'll rate, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll rate it, sorry for interrupting you, yeah. but we'll rate it separately. Yeah. We'll do Orton and Triple H. Yep. Then we'll do the angle afterwards. Yeah. Right, so Orton and Triple H, I'm going to rate a very high five because those two are legendary in the ring. They can both hold their own. They can both carry anyone on any day of the week. See, I think you're being... Bit mean on that. I, I'd give that a B. So I'm in numbers. I think that would 
translate into a seven. No. See, I think you're being a bit mean on that. See, I, I really do. See, I'm only going up to five because at, at the moment, if WWE was as was original and if it was actually doing something proper, I would raise the number higher. But at the moment, Raw and SmackDown and NXT as a total only get a five at the maximum. Yeah, but the thing is, we're judging this on Randy Orton and Triple H. We're no. judging it on those two no. alone. No. Right. So, the actual match, like, they're... The match, I rate a five, but those two as a whole, I'll rate a hundred. Because I like, I like them. I've watched them for years. I've grown up with them, and like I said before, you know they can carry anyone. The Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton pissful about circus bullshit segment. Circus Olay is what it was, Kevin. Yeah. Circus Olay. Yeah. But Circus Olay. That was just horrible. It was not what wrestling's meant to be about. And if Randy Orton didn't step back the way he did at the time, he would have been injured for sure and he would be in a hospital and he would not be able to wrestle or do anything for, ne for the next two or six months. But yeah, I can guarantee he's going to be on next week's show. Perfectly fine. Yeah, of course. Of course. They, the problem is, now they're fucked because they've, they, what they have to do is they have to keep Alexa fucking with Orton until Bray Wyatt. No, just drop it. Literally drop it. Have him win the Raw. Have him beat Triple H. This is how I do it if I was booking it. No. Say booking it because fuck them writing cunts. Yes. Sorry for those of you out there that don't like the word cunt. But fuck them. Yes. I would have Orton demolish Triple H. I'd have him go full savage. Yeah. I'd have him demolish people for the Royal Rumble. Then I'd have him come out in Royal Rumble at about 30 and I'd have him win the fucking thing yeah. if you want to be really savage have him come in at number one as a punishment and then have have him just go mental and just RKO throw him out get out the ring in the middle because mm. he didn't go over the top rope he's still in the match yeah. let him rest let him have some popcorn let him chill have him come back in the then, ring win the match right then you, then he wins the title at WrestleMania. All right. Wins the title, has six, seven months of just being completely just dominant as a champion. The age of Orton again. Yeah, yeah, the complete age of Orton. You know, then you have the Fiend come back. And you just go, Randy, Randy. And you just hear it, it slowly and it's louder and louder and louder. And then... Orton's like, who the fuck's that? Who's the fuck's that? And he's hit Randy. And then in the middle of the ring, a dummy of Orton just gets set on fire. Yeah. You know, and he goes, you think you got me, Randy? Well, I'm back. Yeah, that'd be good. You know, I'm going to take what what's most precious to you, your title. Yeah. Then I'm coming for your family. And just have a, you know, make it become personal. And then just have them just have an amazing three series of matches. Yeah, I agree. No, right. We're going to get back to, like I said at the earlier of the video, we're going to do the matches first and then we're going to do the backstage segments, which, to be honest, is more of wrestling, enter more wrestling entertainment, the entertainment side of things, because it was just clownish. Sports entertainment. Right, we start the first one, like, first we see when it goes backstage and we see backstage. We see Charlotte Flair talking, like I said earlier, about Daddy doing this and Daddy doing that. 
Like she's a grown ass woman. Stop with this. I could understand when she first came into NXT, it was she's Ric Flair's daughter. Yes. But she's won what? 13 championships now? Damn. 13 championships and is probably on her way to winning Oscar's Raw, t- Raw yeah. title. So, she's won 13 championships. Yeah. Right? She's a grown woman. Let her be. Charlotte Flair, stop yeah. using the whole daddy angle. Yeah, and then after, like I said, like uh, Charlotte goes to the ring, you know, see the fireworks, and then you just see, it cuts back to Gorilla, and you see... For those they, that don't know what Gorilla is, it's the backstage just before they come out onto the, the Titan John before yeah. they go to the ring. Yeah, but... You see her there, it's going on about how Ric Flair is this, he's that and the other, and how any woman would throw themselves at her and that she's throwing herself. And it's like really, like as you said earlier in the show, she has a husband, she has two kids. If Charlotte was really that upset, she'd run back there and beat the fuck out of her. But yet she didn't. Of course she would. It was just ridiculous. I'm not going to bother rating mm. this because it's not a, not wrestling, it's just entertainment. And in that fucking, the end, sorry to go back to it, but the end of that match where forgive Ric Flair Right, it comes out in the middle of the match and then just grabs Charlotte and costs her the victory. Like, really? Really? Yeah. It goes to the backstage segment where woman who is still yet to be identified says, Rick, what's going on? You know? Yeah. I, I think they're trying to... Well, they haven't been identified there because I think they, they can't actually get away with the words discount Renee Young. <laughs> I think they can't get away with that so they just keep her anonymous. Yeah. Well, she seems like a shitty Brene Young. No. But anyway, so... And then like, she goes, Flair, um, Rick, 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 do you care to comment? And then Lacey just looks at him and goes, I'll get changed in the hotel. And it's like, really? Like, really? Enough with this shit, man. Enough with it. Yeah. She's married. She's got two kids. Yes, Rick Flair's married. Yeah. But... Rick Flair is in his, like, fucking 70s at this point. He's old enough to be her grandfather. Yeah. That's how Even with the power of blue chew, motherfucker ain't getting that shit up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, and right, we'll go to the next segment of it. You see, Drew McIntyre saying, I'm sorry I'm not there, but I tested positive for COVID and I have no symptoms. So he's, asis- he's asymptomatic. But. Now, no, where the fuck was he exposed to that, bollocks? Where was he exposed? WWE. Because he's been in the hotel room, because they can't go home to their families. So, in the hotel room where they st- where they stay, and, and then back into the arena. So, someone backstage at WWE has got COVID and has given it around to people. They should have everyone tested properly before they release any more fucking videos of shit. Well, that's it. Like, who the fuck? Who? All you need is a skeleton crew, right? Well, you have three people around the ring with cameras. If you don't want to have three people around the ring with cameras, set a camera up on every single turnbuckle, right? Gets the action, and then you have two people around the ring. You have the commentators, and you have the people that are in the match, right? That's it. That's it. It was just absolutely stupid. But And then the next backstage segment we get back to is Keith Lee, and he starts an interview, and this is where the match comes from. You get Keith Lee, and he gets interrupted by Sheamus. He says, you know what? You had a very good match with Drew McIntyre last week. You earned his respect, and you've earned mine. And then... Which completely goes against the fucking 
the singles match that they have after the match. Yeah, and then you get the Miz and Morrison interrupting saying, by the way, we're going to stir the pot a bit here. He did this to you, but we're going to challenge you because it's our New Year's Revolution. And it's like, really? Your New Year's Revolution is to get fucked up again with the same variant and same type of match? No, of course, because these dickheads can't think of anything. They don't have... All they've got is writers. Yeah. You know, that's it. They right. don't have a booker. What they need is a booker. Yeah. And then we get... So they had that shit. And then it goes... It cuts back after their matches to Triple H going... Oh, accepting his challenge after a four-minute promo where Triple H was on fire. That's the only way I can describe it. He was on fire, on point. Boom. It was 90s Triple H all over again. It really was Triple H from the 90s, where he just looked down. There's no, you notice there was no people walking in the back of it. Nope. There was no, no fucking about. It was, this is Triple I'm, H's shit. That's I'm, it. I'm Triple H. I'm saying this. Don't fuck about. Yeah. You know. It was such a refreshing backstage segment because it really was just a... This is how it was done before when shit worked. Yeah. And then the other backstage segment we get is... Well, it's after one of the other matches. And you get... See, Matt Riddle talking about Goldberg. Talking about this respect that he thought he had. And the challenge that he said. And he eventually accepts Goldberg's challenge. But he doesn't need to. I mean, I like... You said Matt Riddle there. No, um, Drew McIntyre except Goldberg's challenge. I'm sure you were saying Matt Riddle. No, Drew McIntyre. No, no. But just in case you said Drew Mac, just in case you said Matt Riddle, it was Drew McIntyre. Yeah, but Drew McIntyre finally accepts Goldberg's challenge. But there's no reason to. That, that's it. There's no reason to. He should have turned around and said, "Look, Goldberg, everybody knows respect is a big thing with me. You know, I know what you want is the one title that's never." Uh, that's always alluded to you. And technically, that's not true. Right? So what we'll do is... Every couple of years, WWE amalgamate their um, their their top championship. Yes. Well, six amalgamations ago, maybe seven, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship yep. turned into the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Yep. All right? That was amalgamated with the WWE title at the time and became the undisputed title. Right? Flash forward years later, mm. Drew McIntyre's World Heavyweight title is somewhat is an incantation of the undisputed title. So yeah. technically, Goldberg has held it. Yeah. Because way back when, the current WWE World Heavyweight Championship was the WCW title. Yeah. So he's already held it. Yeah. But it was just absolutely stupid. It was not needed. Drew McIntyre, what he could have said, what Drew could have said was, look, Goldberg, I respect you because of what you did in this industry. But to, uh, you have to earn the championship, not just demand it and challenge me because you think I said something which I didn't. I'm sorry, but no. It's the biggest case of I'm a legend, I'm entitled, this is how it is. Now, I know WWE booked it that way. Yes. And I know that's the only reason Goldberg came back. Because I can guarantee you now, Goldberg is winning that title at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, because he only, ha he only has to make like two or three appearances a year. Right, so what they should have done is just... Turn sorry to interrupt you again. Yeah. But what they should have done 
is Drew McIntyre should have turned around and said, look, you want a championship? You want a championship match with me? Fine, fair enough, we'll do that. But you have to earn it first. So first, at Royal Rumble, we'll have a one-on-one -on -one match. If you beat me then, then the pay-per-view before WrestleMania, you get your World's Heavyweight Championship match. Next, we move on to the SmackDown for last week. However, the show was so outlaw and made absolutely no sense, even by WWE's standards, that it's not being reviewed. I will only review SmackDown in the future if it actually bothers to make sense. Because it is absolutely ridiculous. Next we go on to the EW review. Next we turn to WWE SmackDown. And let me tell you, we're not reviewing it simply because with WWE's low standards, they've managed to sink the bar even lower when it comes to this week's SmackDown so if they're not going to try and make it entertaining and take their business seriously, I'm not going to take it seriously and they won't be reviewed. Raise your game up, SmackDown, or this will be the last review. Next, we turn to AEW. And the, the open of the show, there was a video explaining the history between Eddie Kingston and Peck the Bastard. For some reason, that is what they call him, the Bastard Peck. I'm going to give this match a B minus. The match was badass. The the physical match was amazing. The the back and forth the, where they slow the pace down and they bring the pace back up again was great. If it had just been those two in the ring, it would have gotten an A. However, with AEW, there always have to be some sort of shit going on. Outside the ring, Pac was attacked by the Bunny. He was attacked by Butcher and the Blade, even though the Lucha Brothers were at ringside and apparently did nothing to stop him being attacked. So yeah, that was quite crappy. Then, the match resumed in the ring with Eddie Kingston taking control I can't tell you where in the match but Eddie Kingston appeared to be hurting in the lower part of his back I would say the tailbone he's injured if I have to guess at this point judging by where he was holding his back how slowly he was moving around the ring and everything else Pack saw and noticed Eddie was hurt and slowed things down to Eddie's pace while making everything look as fast-paced and as badass as possible. So yeah, that was a good match. Sorry I have to give it a B-, minus, especially to those involved in the match, but if you're going to have an angle outside the ring where you have more than enough people so it shouldn't have happened, yeah. These are the results you get marked down. My analysis. This was a badass physical match to kick off the show. 
it was exactly what it should have been based on the rivalry. The only bad part was, as I've previously stated, Kingston appeared to be hurt with a lower back slash tailbone injury suffered. Upon a great match finishing, Lance Archer continued to be a factor in the feud, but has yet to pledge allegiance to any side. A man on an island in a feud between two dangerous factions. It should be fun to see if and where he goes from there, or if the murder hawk monster sticks alone. It would be great to see him team with Pack and the Lucha Brothers, if only to take down Eddie Kingston and co temporarily before they then go separate ways next is chuck fuckletuck taylor versus miro miro one week ago chuck agreed to be miro's young boy aka his butler if he could not beat him in this match not looking forward to a month of service the kentucky gentleman attacked miro early and often taking him to the guard rowers orange cassidy kip sabian and penelope ford watched at ringside sabian rocked cassidy on the floor allowing miro to cap to clap to capitalize on a distraction and turn the tide in his favor he delivered a big samoa drop then added some punishing rights in a corner followed by a spinning heel kick then followed by the Anaconda Vice finishing Taylor off as Miro scored an impressive, mostly one-sided victory. He stared Cassidy down following the match, tapping Taylor, saying, You're my butler now. You'll do what you're told for the month. Get up, bitch. This feud with the best friends and Orange Cassidy at first I thought it had gone on too long, but now I'm actually enjoying it. Now let's hope they take out Orange Cassidy once and for all, and we don't have to see that little prick about. So I'm giving that match an A. Here's my analysis. This was exactly what it needed to be. Dominant arse kicking by Miro, who is starting to find himself as a ferocious beast, who can blend humour and fury. Taylor sold perfectly for him and Sabian took out Cassidy for some reason. No real reason. I mean, it literally was the only time that Taylor had got any offence in the match. And for some reason, Sabian decided he'd take Cassidy out. Next, we had a promo in the ring between the inner circle announcing what they wanted to do. Here's the analysis. It's about time Santino and Ortiz took exception to Jericho trying to steal the tag team thunder for the inner circle. They have been lackeys for way too long when they should be picking up wins and jumping back into the tag team title contention 
taking exception to Jericho and MJF targeting the tag titles makes sense. As does Guevara expressing more anger and jealousy over being tossed aside in favour of another young star, MJF. Setting up for a three-team inner circle match next week. The match will be hella good if only because the talent demands it. The outcome the outcome will determine the immediate and long-term future of the circle of inners. Next was booked as the Elite versus Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr. and Danny Limelight. However, after Kenny Omega came out with his mouthpiece, mouthpiece then started to cut a promo saying that Kenny's best friends in the entire world would be his tag team partners. And here comes Impact Wrestling's tag team champions, the Good Brothers, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. While it's been great to see them, and it was great the Young Bucks being taken out of a match so it wasn't flips and tricks. I think the way they went about this was very shitty after last week. Where the former Bullet Club all met in the ring. The Young Bucks, the Anderson, Anderson and Gallows and Kenny, the piece of shit Omega. So winners of the match, Omega, Gallows, Anderson, win. The match gets a B plus. It would have got an A plus, but Kenny Omega was in a match. The match was great. There were lots. Oh, sorry, guys, I'm very tired. So there were lots, lots and lots of ground and pound and two in and throw in and heel and baby face clear roles defined in this match absolutely amazing after the match however the entire locker room emptied out after John Moxley had previously been after John Moxley had previously entered the ring and tried to attack Omega the locker room came out in order to some assist Moxley and some just attack heels. Great, this is now an invasion angle, which was what they needed to do. Especially as they'd been trying to set this invasion angle up for a couple of weeks without really doing it successfully. It was a great angle. I think it would have been better if the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega's opponent at the Impact pay-per-view had appeared to help the AEW roster defeat or beat up the heels, but apparently they are not going down this route yet. Next, Jungle Boy and Marco the Piece of Shit Stunt versus F. FTR. The winners of this match were FTR. I'm giving this an A. It would have got an A+. However, for some reason, 
FTR decided they would work with Marco and do some of his moves rather than just absolutely dominating him, which is how it should have been. Here's my analysis. This was great stuff that portrayed Jungle Boy as a formidable... Well, it portrayed Jungle Boy as a formidable baby face, even without the massive Luchasaurus by his side. Stunt's work was shit, as always. The fact that these grown men are working with this baby-faced child is absolutely ridiculous. If AEW were going for a great underdog babyface, that should have been Jungle Boy. What they should have done, in my opinion, however, is kick the living shit out of Marco's stunt. And I mean, absolutely kick the crap out of him for real. Punch him, kick him, do as much damage as possible. Break the little fucker once and for all. After all, a couple of months ago, even though he'd had tested positive for COVID, he turned up at an indie wrestling event where in the middle of the ring, he swallowed a dildo. The fact he wasn't fired by AEW still is insulting and is still absolutely ridiculous. You can probably hear Buster Dog snoring in the background. As I've said, it is quite late while I'm recording this. Jungle Boy, however, is a fantastic young wrestler who gets infinitely better as his career advances. He should be a future star in AEW or in WWE. Wherever he is in the future, they should one day build around him. As for for FTR, what can be said about them that has not already been said? The best team in pro wrestling. They work well with teams of any style and proved it here. They focused in a, they were focused cerebral in their approach and punished Marco, the piece of shit stunt. For some reason, FTR decided to work with Marco stunt and take some of his moves, which I believe was the greatest mistake they could have made. As I've said, they should have just kicked the ever-loving shit out of him. Have him legitimately injured. They should have legitimately injured him here, as they are grown men, and as far as I'm concerned, Marco Stunt is the size of a child. He should not be in the wrestling ring. And then Jungle Boy should have been forced to have come in, and the odds should have been just too much and then FTR could have won that would have been great for the professional wrestling business they get rid of Marco stunt once and for all the mouthy little cunt Jungle Boy tries in vain but can't get the win that would have enhanced Jungle Boy's career up to no end and his credibility with the fans and the fact that at one point in the match 
Marco the Cunt kicked out of a finisher from FTR, what they should have done is legitimately picked him up and injured him. What I would have done if that had been me, and I was the size of these gentlemen, I would have picked Marco up from the middle of the ring and just launched him onto the floor as hard as possible. That's what I would have done. Then I would have gone out there and legitimately injured him and told him, you're a little prick. You don't kick out when we go for a finisher. We're top stars. We're top men. We've been all over the place. They are. They're top guys. They've been all over the world. They've been top performers all over the world. And then they come in and they work with this little cunt that thinks it's okay to kick out of their signature finisher. No. No, 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 no. Marco is a cunt that should just be gotten rid of once and for all. However, FTR is just, they truly are just great modern wrestlers. Every team is better for having worked with Howard and Wheeler. And that is a hell of a testament to FTR. Next was the NWA Women's Championship match. Serena Deeb versus Taya Cotti. C-O-N-T-I. Big yes. It was a great match back and forth with heel and baby face clearly defined. It was just... I'm giving it a B. You know, it was just absolutely amazing, this match. And that's all the analysis that it actually needs. Great traditional match. Great old school moves. Not too much heavy flying and flying around the ring. Not too much ground and pound. Just perfect. It was exactly what it needed to be. Next we get to the final match. The TNT Championship match. Darby Allen versus Brian Cage. So yeah, where was I? Sorry. I got distracted for a moment. Oh yeah. The TNT Championship match. Darby Allen versus Brian Cage. So. The winner of the match. Darby Allen. Grade B. Analysis. Allen played a rope-a-dope with Cage absorbing tremendous pain and punishment before catching his opponent with a flurry that ultimately ended in his defeat. The story worked well because AEW had already established over time that Allen can endure tremendous pain and suffering and still pick up the win. Meanwhile, Cage had been presented as such an unstoppable force and offensive. His offensive executed was absolute was absolutely unbelievable. Sorry guys, it's late and the notes. Again, I write these down very, very quickly so I can get the podcast edited 
and put up of you guys. Excuse me, there is a message for you guys as soon as possible. I do try my best. The chemistry was strong in this match. The high spots all hit as amazingly as they needed to and really hit the spot. It was a typical strong heel versus weaker babyface type of match. The logic was great. Sting's appearance was predictable but logical. The result was a solid main event and another significant night in Allen's developing career for the AEW star. The eventual tag match that pits him and Sting against Team Taz is going to be big money. Thanks in large to the part that is slowly being built and slowly, painfully slowly at this point, being spoken about. All in all, I think this week's AEW was good. So far, the highest praise I can give any AEW show was the one given to the um, Brodie Lee Remembrance Show, which was... Mwah, 100% all the way. But yeah. Um, that. That show. You could have put. At any time. You can take it in any time. In the past. Back to where they had the territory days. And just. A simple 10 minute. Video before the show of. Brody Lee died. This was his faction. His son is helping book in this match. These are all his favourites. Go. And no matter where it was taken to in history, it would have been an amazing match. An amazing show. An amazing card. Just... I give. I would put that show under the godly level of wrestling's past. This week's show, I would say, was great. Especially with the way that it had been put together. Especially seeing FTR. Because we don't see them as much as we need to. You know, they're the greatest tag team in the world today. And we don't see them because they put... They choose to put arseholes like Orange Cassidy and Marco Cunt on the show. Taking up good spots. FTR could be in, you know, and we need more FTR, we need more Hangman Adam Page, we need a lot more John Moxley, but we don't need hardcore outlaw indie show John Moxley, we need Dean Ambrose in AEW, where he's good with matches, he sticks to the promos. He knows what he's talking about. There's none of this outlaw indie shit. Which is what John Moxley seems to be. We need more Dean Ambrose in our John Moxley. And then we would have the perfect John Moxley. Next we are going to go to a controversy. That I know has affected a lot of people that I have seen online. Over the last week or so. Death in Paradise has a new opening song. I can't tell if it's a remix 
tracks or what but it's not the original one and people are pissed you know I see comments like this looks like death in paradise but it can't be because you need that beat that gets you up and it's like oh yeah something's about to happen that Caribbean kind of vibe I saw one comment that said I will not watch Death in Paradise until this is fixed I've seen multiple people say that they mute it now when the theme song comes on because they have fucked it once and for all I've seen a lot of people say that they're going to stop watching Death in Paradise. And as far as they're concerned, the last series was the finale, the, the last ever series of Death in Paradise. Because of what's happened. Now, I'm going to say I have listened to it. And I much prefer the old Death in Paradise theme song. I think the old song was the one that they started with and it hadn't changed in nine seasons I don't think it needed to change for the 10th but the BBC have a history of fucking up successful products and fucking up completely successful shows my opinion is go back to the original theme song and make everybody happy now I'm going to give you an example here very controversial when it comes to Doctor Who there was all this complaining that there would be a female doctor my opinion okay we'll see where it goes now when Jodie Whittaker took over after I think it was three or four episodes it was put online that she's the cosplay doctor she's trying to be a bit of Matt Smith a bit of Peter Capaldi and she's trying to be a bit of David Tennant in later series we're now in 2021 going on to series three and her third and final series she's been compared to she's cosplaying David Tennant there's been a lot of people complaining that she has systematically destroyed Doctor Who now I don't think that's her fault I think she never settled into a role that has been historically played by men I think what systematically fucked her and destroyed any chance she had of being successful was Chris Chimble he took over as the writer full-time he had been previously writing episodes for about three years and he directed episodes over the course of those three years previous to Whitaker taking over every episode he had ever written and directed was it had been low down on the reviews online even according to the BBC's critics themselves I don't know why they gave him the book to write Doctor Who 
when he was clearly out of his depths, clearly had no knowledge of it, and just... If you're going by ratings, which is what the w, uh, WWE, which is what the BBC claims to be all about, is ratings, 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 ratings. Why would you give the book to somebody who has, when he's been allowed to do what he wants, has consistently lowered ratings? Why? I don't understand that. Why not give it to somebody else? that gets good ratings that would be what i would have suggested doing i've seen lots of complaints about the pushing the social justice warrior agenda in doctor who and i have to be honest i agree with that there is a lot of white man bad and white history bad in this doctor who but that's not Jodie's fault that's the writer she can only do the best she can with what she's given however this writer has successfully managed to poison Doctor Who's ratings to its lowest in 50 years no wonder Jodie is jumping ship at the end of this season it's the only thing I can say I wonder how many contracts will be renewed outside the UK where speaking to people that I know that live around the world, Doctor Who and BBC products are bought on a three year term. I wonder how many countries will stop the Doctor Who based on this crap that Chimble has put out. I guess only time will tell. Now I've tried to stay neutral with Doctor Who. I have my I've tried my best, but looking at facts, looking at the W uh, See I'm still in the fucking wrestling. Looking at the BBC's own figures and looking at their own projections of where it's been over the last 50 years where they want Doctor Who to go in the next 15 years Doctor Who is at a historic low and that's something that needs to be fixed before the BBC successfully kill off another money-making venture did you know there is a petition online to remove TV licenses simply because the BBC just keep fucking up they keep fucking up programs i know of at least 300 people that have um cancelled their tv license and they just have their console plugged in and they just watch things online watching it online you don't need a tv license for as long as you're not watching live television. You need a license if you're watching the BBC iPlayer. But I have been told there are multiple websites out there. Where you can watch Doctor Who and 
other programs online without going to the iPlayer or without using a TV license. I believe it's called pirating. But I know of at least 100 people that just wait for things to come out on DVD or on Blu-ray. And they'll just buy the seasons that way. There's, fuck it, we're not paying for a TV license. Absolutely bollocks to it. The BBC have fucked it up. And they just, they read books. If they want to watch something, they'll wait for it to come out. And then they'll just buy it on Blu-ray or on DVD. And it's sad, but that's where it is now. You know, making pensioners pay for a TV licence because the BBC have got even greedier is absolutely ridiculous. While they still have BBC reporters that are so biased in their opinion and that seem to turn the platform into we're right, everybody else is wrong. Take Nagger from the BBC News, for example. If I turn on the BBC News and she's on, I flick it straight over to ITV simply because I can't put up with her bias anymore. It doesn't matter if people, if guests that are on the show are halfway through an, an opinion or halfway through what they're trying to say. If Naga doesn't agree with it, she goes, no. Nope! And she shouts and she physically puts her hand up to go, no, nope, I'm talking now. And it's absolutely ridiculous. She's had multiple cases brought up against her at bullying. And she just smirks. At one point she gave an interview saying, yeah, this is another bullying case against me. But like all the rest, I'll win. It's just, I'll win because I'm me. And they're just picking on me because I'm Asian. No, they're picking on you because you're a bully. Asian skin has nothing to do with it. Black skin has nothing to do with it. White skin has nothing to do with it. If you are a bully, you are a bully. Sorry for the rant, guys, but it has to be said. The BBC is systematically poisoning the well for themselves and screwing themselves out of jobs. I've heard that the BBC wants to go onto a platform like Netflix and Amazon Prime great their echo chamber of morons that agree with them that everything they do is absolutely perfect and the rest of the world are wrong won't be enough to pay for all their bonuses it's a very niche market it's the same with politics if you're on twitter and you're into politics, you'd assume that the rest of the world thinks the way that they do in Twitter, in Twitter world. But that's not true. For example, when we had the 2019, I want to say, election, where Boris Johnson won overwhelmingly, you would have thought that Boris Johnson had a 0, 0.0.0 chance of winning, according to the Twitter. According to the Twitter, it was a it was a non-issue. Corbyn had won. All Corbyn had to do was just say thank you, 
and walk into number 10. But outside of the of the Twitter sphere, outside of their niche market, rightly or wrongly on your political opinion, you know, the Conservatives won. And the the Tories won, Labour lost. Rightly or wrongly. This is where I have to bite my tongue on my political opinion. As I have to be neutral because it is politics and there are there are rules when it comes to podcasting. Especially the podcasting that I'm doing. Those of you that know me know what my opinions are on this great matter. So we're walking a fine line here. However, as I was saying, rightly or wrongly, the Twitter zone, the Twitter sphere, the Twitter bubble, said that Corbyn had won. They were proved wrong. The BBC in their bubble. We're right, everybody else is wrong. If they go to subscription, 90% of these high, highly paid staff are gone. Simply because people won't put up with them. They will not put up with it. They will not put up with the shit. And once the TV licence is gone, there's no reintroducing it. And the BBC have been a decaying relic for years with a TV licence that has somehow managed to cling on to life. Well, now the BBC is dying. The BBC is dying and it's dying of its own accord. And there is absolutely nothing anybody can do about it. You know, I'm recalling a a conversation with a friend of mine. And he said, when it comes to Doctor Who, because he likes watching Doctor Who, but he's cancelled his TV licence. So what he does is he logs onto a particular streaming site and there are people that stream it. And he watches it that way. Simply because doesn't have to pay for the licence but still gets to watch it. And I think many, many more people will be going that way. I really and truly do. I really do. And as sad as that is, the BBC have brought it on themselves. They are dying and they are dying of their own accord. So yeah, on to a a slightly happier note now than the BBC. So there's been a lot of press about Jeremy Clarkson having the COVID. I'm going to play you a 27 second clip of Jeremy addressing fans in his own words. Hello everybody, thank you for your good wishes. Um, I did have COVID. I didn't, as the newspapers reported, backlit. I lay in bed uh, with what felt like a cold, reading a book till it went away, which it now has, I'm delighted to say. Um, So, chin up. And if you want to buy a trout, these will be ready very soon. I should explain that he is, well, he was in that video throwing fish food to the trout in his pond. Well, 
it's a lake really but yeah so that's good that the Clarkson man has recovered from it and hopefully there will be more of the Grand Tour soon to watch yeah buddy <laughs>